All right, everybody, we're here joined by Jessica Blaylock of Fox Sports Florida. How's it going, Jessica? Uh, going pretty well. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Doing, doing great. great. Great to have you back. Thank you for having me. Definitely, definitely. So uh, we were talking at the last Panthers game about where they are up to this point in the season. And, and uh, I mentioned in my, in my article that they're pretty much in the same spot they were at this time last season. It's a Spider-Man meme. The Spider-Man meme, that's right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, very similar position sitting on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Uh, and not only sitting on the outside of the playoffs looking in, but needing other teams to falter a little bit to affect their playoff hopes. Uh, and it's certainly a frustrating place to be. I don't think anybody in that dressing room would tell you that they're okay with where they are. You know, there were expectations coming into this season and unfortunately, the team is not where they hope to be at this point. Uh, so, you know, they have a, a still a long road ahead of them. Uh, they do have a couple of games in hand on teams that are ahead of them. But at the same time, you know, you have to, number one, take care of your business. Um, and then number two, other teams kind of have to stumble a little bit, maybe stub their toe a little bit. And that's just not a position that you ever want to be in. You want to be able to control your own destiny. You don't want to have to rely on other teams because again, down the stretch last year, the one thing the Panthers did do a good job of was winning games. But unfortunately the Flyers kept winning yep. and the yep. Blue Jackets kept winning and the New Jersey Devils kept winning and the Panthers ended up falling, you know, one point shy of where they needed to be to make it into the postseason. So, uh, you know, certainly frustrating that they're not in a better position right now, but uh, hopefully they can just, you know, take care of business and, and hopefully catch a break as well with some other teams maybe faltering a little bit. Now, Jessica, how, how do you think the players feel knowing that, this we're you know we're we're having a groundhog day again you know we're we're reliving last season again um is there does it come to a point where they feel like we have to just switch it on like last season you saw that they were able to turn it around make that push but they came up a little too short is it different now with the pressures of knowing what you did last season and not being able to to achieve it you think that's maybe holding them back well i don't know if it's you know feeling the pressure i'm sure that's a little bit of it uh but I, I think they've felt the pressure since the very beginning of the season because they know that one thing that has hurt them over the past couple of years has been slow starts yeah. and what was all the talk going into this year we know we need to get off to a good start we know we need to get off to a good start and unfortunately they weren't able to do that october was a rough month for them um and you know they did catch a little bit of a bad break with roberto luongo going down in that first game in tampa bay that obviously was a huge blow um but, you know, unfortunately, they, they couldn't kind of figure out a way to overcome losing him. And October, like I said, was a struggle. So, you know, I, I know that they have to be frustrated uh, with where they are because they have higher expectations for themselves than being on the outside looking in. Um, but at the same time, you can't you can't constantly put more and more pressure on yourself because that's when you're going to start pressing. That's when you're going to get away from your game plan of keeping it simple and trying to do too much. And that's when things kind of start to fall apart. So, 
you know, maybe a little bit of, of pressure just that they put on themselves to be in a better spot than they are now. But, I, you know, you can't let the frustration, you can't let the pressure get to you. Um, again, you just have to focus on playing your style of hockey, you know, keeping it simple uh, and focus on taking care of your business and seeing how things end up playing out for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a talent issue with them. I think it's... No, I certainly don't think it's a talent issue at yeah. all because so... if you look at some of the players on this team, yeah. Alexander Barkov, in my opinion, is hands down one of the best two-way players in the league. And they Jonathan have a... Huberdeau is having an unbelievable season. Evgeny yep. Dadanoff has been a um, fantastic move you know, in the past couple of years for the Panthers to, to re-sign him after his return from the KHL. Mike Hoffman... Uh, that might be one of the best off-season yeah. acquisitions that's yep. been made in a really long time. So it's certainly not a lack of talent by any means. Exactly. Um, so but, then, you know, what do you think it little... is? What What do I think it is? Yeah. What do you think uh, it is that that's causing them? Maybe uh, I, I don't want to say it's a lack of focus either. You know what I mean? Because you can clearly right. tell that they're frustrated and and that they're trying. But uh, it, it's and and I feel like it's not the same issues that that uh, were troubling them last season either. I think it's a little different this season. Right. But well, somehow and, they're in the same spot. One of the biggest things, you know, I was I was going to say one of the biggest things from where they were last year to where they are this year. I thought one of the best moves that Coach Bugner made last season was right around the All Star break. He decided to split up Jonathan Huberdeau and Alexander Barkov on the top line and uh, move Huberdeau down to the second line. And that really created, uh, you know, two lines that you had to really always be aware of when they were out on the ice. And it kind of had this trickle-down effect to create some secondary scoring. Well, it's one thing that's been a little bit different this year. There have been times where we've seen the Panthers' lines click, and then there's been times where we've seen Coach Bubner have to mix things up uh, pretty extensively in game to try and, and get some chemistry going. I don't think it's an issue of chemistry. That's not what I'm trying to say. I think maybe at certain points things aren't clicking the way they should be and they have to be creative in game. I think also, obviously, there's been games where defensively things are just not going well. You know, you shouldn't have to score five goals in a game to win a game. Yep. Um, and there have been, you know, too many times this season where I think the Panthers have had to score four or five goals to win a game. And that just shouldn't be the case. Um, so, you know, I think it's kind of a, it's, it's one of those things where on any given night, it just might be a, a different issue, you know, on nights where they can score, unfortunately teams are scoring against them on nights where they, it can hold the opponent to one or two goals. They can't seem to get any puck luck and find the back of the net. Um, so, you know, I don't know really what the magic answer is this year. It's not like you can go back to splitting up a, a Barkov and a Huberto. You've already kind of done that. Um, and then even though they, you know, they've been playing again on a line this season, I, I don't think you're going to just go that route again. You know, you've tried to mix things up with your line. I think one thing lately that we've seen that's been maybe the biggest issue is allowing goals early. You know, Detroit scored early. Buffalo scored early. Columbus scored early. This game tonight against the Penguins, uh, there's already been two goals allowed within the first five mm -hmm. minutes of the game. You can't, 
you, you can't start the game having to already dig yourself out of a hole. Uh, and I think that's kind of been the issue for the Panthers lately is it's been an uphill battle early on. Now, they were able to come back and beat Detroit. They were able to come back and tie it up against Columbus and get a point in overtime. Uh, you know, we'll see what they do in this one. But I think it's very difficult when you already have to start a game very early on treating it like an uphill battle. Yeah, no, I my my big observation um, from earlier this season was that we were we were coming out hot, scoring some goals early, playing good defense, but then somewhere middle middle towards the end of the game, we just we we let the other team get back into it. We start giving up some, you know, I'm not gonna say easy goals because there are no goals easy. You know, what I mean, everybody works for it, right? But just someone characteristically, um, you know, soft goals, I guess you could say, some stuff where you know a goalie should have been in position or defensive made a bad pass, something like that, and then we're just giving it up late and then we can't close it out. So it's like we, we get stuck in this zone where we get the early lead. We were up four one, I think it was uh, a few weeks ago. And then against you know, Tampa, yeah, against yeah. Tampa. And it's, those have to be so frustrating, you know, for the team, especially, you know, like I, I keep going back to the fact that I think that they're just giving themselves too much pressure. Um, they're thinking too much about what happened last season. And it feels like that might be affecting them this season. Because to me, when I see things like that, when you when you give up these leads, it's like you're 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 thinking too much about it. I saw uh, Reimer post game just sitting defeated in the corner, and I felt so bad for the guy. I was like, he reminded me of like a closer in baseball. You know, when when you get the yips, when you're giving up some runs, and you yeah. can't close out the game, and your confidence is shook. It's it, it's you know you really see it there, and it, it it translates to hockey as well. But lately, it's been what you're talking about. Now the last few games, just giving up these early goals, and now it's it's kind of a reverse instead of building the lead and then giving it up. We're just digging ourselves in a hole and trying to claw back and it hasn't been translating into victories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I think you make a, a good assessment. It's kind it's kind of flip-flopped, you know, early on they were early uh, or, or they played well early in games. And then the second period was very problematic. They were giving up a, a ton of goals in the second period. And then third period, if they had the lead, they couldn't really hold on to it. And now it's kind of flip-flopped. Uh, you know, you, you see they're giving up a couple of goals early on, and now you're having to just play catch-up, um, and that makes it difficult. Yeah. Now, are you – you're um, obviously you're watching the game. I, I got to get your opinion. What do you think of these uh, Penguins uniforms? These, <laughs> these yellow uh, helmets are kind of throwing me off here. I don't know what your, what your thought is on – yeah, it's 70s night, apparently, in Pittsburgh. I think that's the theme tonight uh, for this uh. game. So, uh, And then I think the Penguins have been doing a little bit of throwback, maybe, throughout the course of the season. So, I don't know. Yellow is one of my favorite colors, so it doesn't it doesn't really bother yeah. me. I'll, <laughs> well, see, I'll go with it. I'll go with it. Seven, 70s night is when Fox should send you out to those games so you can rock the bell-bottoms again. Yes. I know. <laughs> I know. I have an extensive collection of bell bottoms. I am a hippie at heart, so I know it would have worked out perfectly. Something else. You're also a Florida Gator. Yes, I am. Go Gators. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. No, here comes Tenard. Tenard's like, all right, now I can talk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, what do you? Okay, Gators look like they were in line for you know an uncertain season a lot of changes a lot of personnel movement but they rebounded quite nicely they were very very impressive in their bowl win uh it goes at michigan right yes, they yes. yeah michigan. they destroyed michigan, destroyed yep. michigan. i mean they, that Hawk. wasn't even close yeah 
Harbaugh and his uh, steak and milk that he likes to eat. You ever heard oh, of yeah, that? Yeah. That's just crazy. Steak with milk. That's so weird. <laughs> now, I got a lot of um, – I've met a lot of UCF fans that were a little upset because they wanted a shot at UF. There's a, apparently there's just been little rivalry developing between uh, Gators and, and the Knights here. I wanted to know what if, if the game had happened, what would really have happened to uh, Orlando? Would they have met the uh, – or not uh, UCF. Would they have met the same fate as uh, Michigan or would it have been a little worse? Well, I think it's hard to say what would have happened because I would have liked to have seen UCF play with their starting quarterback. That's true. Um, You know, it's, I never, I'm one of those people who I don't care who you play for. I don't care who you are. You never want to see an injury um, to a player uh, on the college level or professional. So it's kind of hard to say, I'm assuming that Florida probably would have won that game. I mean, if they had played against UCF like they would have played against Michigan, then I think Florida would have been just fine. But it's so hard to say hypothetically how that game would have played out or if UCF had had their starting quarterback, what the game would have looked like. Um, but, you know, it, if I really feel like if Florida played against almost anybody the way they played against Michigan, you know, their defense showed up. Uh, Felipe Franks looked great. Um, you know, I think their running backs were dominant, especially LaMichael uh, Pirine, who's coming back next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think they would have held their own against uh, most teams throughout the course of the country uh, in whatever matchup they could have had in a bowl game. So what you're saying is Gators would have won by like at least 50. Yes, yeah, right. yeah, let's go with that. All right, let's okay. go with that. Now, okay, so Dan Muller, this is next year's gonna be his second season as the head head coach being full time and you know, you see the kids buying into the system and after the Michigan win, uh the kids really look animated and they look happy after a win against Michigan. See, even though Michigan to me is not a, a, a bit a, a good team, but at the same time they're respected when it comes to the power five. Now do you think Dan Muller will have the same kind of wins he did next year against his most rival teams like Florida State or when you who they play Georgia Hurricanes Hurricanes because they play us next year? Do you right. think the t- the kids are buying into Dan Muller's Mullen system? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you saw it throughout the course of the season. And I think one thing that you see from Dan Mullen is he is such a player's coach. Uh I think his players really enjoy playing for him. I think they love being around the guy that has that type of enthusiasm. Um, And I think if you had told Gator fans coming into this season, hey, guess what? Dan Mullen is going to finish the year 10 and three. He's going to win. Um, you know, a significant bowl game, I think Gator fans would have been thrilled because the one thing that they've wanted to see for years and years, you know, the Gators have had good defenses, but they have not been able to find what that program for the most part is always known for a prolific offense. So I think Dan Mullen has finally kind of been able to give Florida their identity back a little bit where you're starting to see, you know, the trick plays like a Spurrier would have run, the the mm-hmm. kind of uh, offense where you're expecting high-scoring games and things like that. So I, I think Dan Mullen is kind of trying to bring back the identity of what Florida Gators football is known for. And, uh, and yeah, it certainly seemed like his players absolutely loved playing for him. So I hope from here on out, 
you know, things just continue to get better and better. He completely, uh, I think, enamored Gator fans to the program again and to himself. And uh, I think that's exciting moving forward. You think Felipe Franks is a, a NFL quarterback? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of quarterbacks who look great in college. Uh, and then it just doesn't translate to the NFL. And I think the biggest thing that I still want to see with Felipe Franks is just consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard to kind of tell at this point because, you know, he looked great again in that bowl game and strong towards the end of the year. But, you know, there were games this year that you kind of scratched your head. And I think that was kind of what was most frustrating early on is you didn't know what team was going to show up. The team that looked really great, the team that just kind of seemed like a mess. Uh, but once they kind of got it figured out and things started clicking late, then we were good to go. But, um, you know, I, I will be completely honest. I We had a lot of Panthers games on Saturday, and I didn't get to watch – nearly as much Gator football as I normally would. Oh, so no. I can't really give you an honest <laughs> assessment of Felipe Franks and whether okay. he looks like an NFL quarterback. Okay. Um, but, you know, I would say from what I did catch this season, I want to see more before I could ever say, yeah, I could see him playing in the NFL. Fair enough. A little to be determined. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, Jessica, we, uh, next season, the Gators open up with the Canes neutral site in Orlando. We want your prediction. Here's your chance to talk a little trash. Go. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that LaMichael P. Ryan rushes for 700 yards. Whoa. Um, no, let's be realistic Frank right now. Come road on. for 1,000 yards, and Gators win it 136 to 3. Okay, now go. get out of your bizarro you world. <laughs> <laughs> because that ain't definitely going to happen with Man, the Kings. I'll tell you right now. Now. <laughs> At now least we gave him three. We have Manny <laughs> Diaz, and Manny Diaz is is a he's a defensive coach, and I know he's going to emphasize making sure the defense doesn't bend or break because on his watch because that's what he's right. known to be in a defensive court, in a defensive coach. Now our concerns obviously is the quarterback position, and right. the cozy Perry, who we believe was going to be the next thing because he played well the first like doing it when he started. But he started doing immature things off the field, what that cost him him to start a position. So I was hoping that uh, Justin Fields was going to transfer to our school instead of going to Ohio State. Mm. Oh, but yeah. that was were... a that was a hope and a wish. I wanted yeah. Kelly uh, Kelly, Kelly Bryant Kelly too. Bryant. Yeah, he took a visit to our school. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm gonna make a prediction. I think it's gonna be 21 and 27. Miami, <laughs> and but it's going to be a good okay. game because I, the, every time we play the Gators, because we play you guys every four years, right. it's always a good game. And right. a, a lot of fans want this to become a rival, but our schedules won't permit it because, uh, you know, you have to yeah, the respect that. Co- yeah, yeah, exactly. So right. I think it's going to be a good game, but you talking about 100 to whatever and uh, P. Ryan running 1,000 yards, that's never going to happen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Did you think there ever was a chance that was going to happen? Hey, I just want to make sure I put uh, no, that on I, tape. So. I, uh, <laughs> honestly, maybe it's going to be maybe it's going to set up to be a, a great defensive battle. You know, I could see it being a a twelve a, to nine final if you just see a lot of field goals and Ooh. and Manny Diaz gets his defense going and maybe Florida's offense 
uh, maybe stumbles a little bit out of the gate, but their defense still holds up. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, you know, I know Miami didn't have the season that they were hoping for by any means either. Um, but anytime your head coach walks away from the program, you know, that always can lead to a lot of, uh, off-season questions as to what your team's going to look like moving forward, as to what com- commits are going to do, whether they're going to stay with your program or, or maybe look for another one. So I, I don't know. I don't know what Miami is really going to look like going into this season. If I didn't get to, to watch a ton of Gators football, I'll be <laughs> I honest, I never <laughs> washed the cans yeah. for, for the Canes. The one thing so I can say when when you've got uh, a way better assessment of when what Mark Miami Rick, looks like than I do. When Mark Rick left, he kind of did what Jimbo Fisher did. He left when a lot of people wanted him to stay. And he may know something that we don't know at the same time. uh, It was rumors that they want him to make decisions towards his staff, and he wasn't ready to bend. So they kind of pushed him out, but. I'll, I'll be an objective uh, FIU alumni here and uh, not really have a a horse in this race. But if, if we were, if the same Canes team was coming in next season with the same coach, I I really would have thought that I, I would really go with the Gators like, Easy on yeah. that yeah. I, I But I, the, this Manny Diaz factor here, I'm not sure how that's right. going to translate with recruiting and motivational. Mm-hmm. This could be a good thing, or it could be, you know, like, a, like what was it? Is it Taggart, the guy who replaced Jimbo? Yeah, over in, uh, yep. yeah, oh, yeah. In, in yeah that's, that's the program, honestly, to me in the state of Florida, that's going to be the most intriguing yeah. is Florida State. Because Florida State, obviously, this year was a shell of what Knowles fans are used to seeing. Um, and, you know, I do think in this day and age of college football, we have created a culture of win immediately, go to a bowl game, or you're gone. Mm-hmm. And you need time to implement your system. You need time to recruit your players. So, um, you know, I know it's hard to see – from a, a Florida State fan's perspective, what their team went through this season. But I'm curious to see if Willie Taggart can finally kind of right the ship uh, going into his second year as head coach. Because oh. to me, I just I think Florida State is the most intriguing. Uh, what What is their program going to look like? What's going to happen moving forward? Uh, out of any of of the schools in Florida, but I think uh, Gators and Canes here can agree. We we both hope that they just don't do anything. Good. Yeah, I hope, yeah. They go, I hope they go. Hope they go eleven every year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Jessica, you are a self-proclaimed music snob, right? You tweeted that out, so I'm not putting any weird information out there. So, yes, this is true. This is true, and yeah. the the reason that I said that is not because I was listening to Dave Matthews Band in middle school. Uh-huh. It's because I thought I was better than everybody because I was listening to Dave Matthews Band in middle school. Of course. So that is kind of that is kind of where the music snob things come uh, thing kind of comes from. Is I do think that I have pretty good taste in music, and I have a tendency to judge other people based on their taste in music. So. Okay. Uh, that's kind of where the whole self-proclaimed music snob thing came from. <laughs> All right. I mean, I know you're a Zeppelin fan. I love Zeppelin. Huge Led Zeppelin oh, fan. Okay, Huge I'm going to walk Zeppelin away from this fan. conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Zeppelin or Beatles? Zeppelin. Of course. Ze- Zeppelin's number one. You can throw yes. any band out to me, and it's going to be Zeppelin. Michael Jackson? Uh, <laughs> Michael, Jack- All right. Michael Jackson or Prince? Prince. Oh, all right. Ooh. All right. 
I'm kind of torn on that one. The I me too. really love Prince, but I really love Michael. I know. It's that just... is a tough one. Like, yeah. Prince would be like 1A and Michael Jackson would be 1B. I, I mean, that's so. how little the gap is between how the much thing I is like both of them. We grew up liking Michael Jackson and his music is kid friendly. Maybe he wasn't, but his music is, <laughs> right? But I think you have to grow up a little bit to appreciate Prince. I think it's fair. Prince is just, Prince from top to bottom is such an incredible musician. Uh, I think I just have such a respect for not only his ability to uh, play, you know, five, six, seven, eight different kinds of instruments, but his ability to write songs, oh, uh, yeah. the type of performer he was, um, you know, just all around his his complete an utter talent as a performer, as a musician, as an artist. I also think the venue has uh, something to do with it. Because if I'm at like the roller rink, I want to hear Michael Jackson. You uh-huh. know what I mean? I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. when Rock yeah. comes on, that's when I start shuffling. I start doing my thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. The Raspberry Beret, man, I kind of get the same reaction too. So. Oh, I love Raspberry Beret. Pink Cashmere, though, is my favorite Prince song. Oh. Okay, good, good, good. All right, last one. Big Ear Tupac. Settle it. Settle it. <laughs> I think you got to go Biggie. Yeah, there we yes. go. All right. Yeah. Okay. Can't go wrong with that. Well, West Coast people are going to be upset. Otis but... Redding or Al Green? Oh, Gus, that's you. Uh, Al, Green. Al Green. Al Green. Oh, I'll take Otis. All right. Yeah, I'll I just take wanna, Otis. I think she just want to go. Down in the Valley by yeah. Otis Redding. May, I mean, Otis Redding just, he just stirs my soul like no one else. He His voice is Dang. probably one of my top three favorite voices of all time. Oh, man. man mine is Edwin's. <laughs> <laughs> After three years, I've finally made it on nice. the top of his list. Nice. <laughs> All right, Jessica. Well, thank you very much for joining us once again. And, uh, well, make sure everybody go follow Jessica Blaylock on Twitter at Jess Blaylock. I'm about to follow you right now. There you <laughs> go. <my> <laughs> Just play lock. There you go. All right. So, Jess, thank you again so much. We'll see you uh, next. So, when's the next home game? Next Friday? Uh, next. Yep. Next weekend. Yeah. Uh, Toronto. Toronto. At yep. BNT. Yep. There you go. So, we'll be there. Uh, right. The 18th. Uh, so, yeah. We'll All be right. there. See you guys and, uh, then. Thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.